Before we get into this week's episode, uh, if you guys have been enjoying our podcast, we are up to what, episode 33, 34, something like that. We do need for people to please, if you're enjoying this, um, follow us, download the episodes, and give us a five-star rating on whatever podcast streaming platform you use. I'm Nurse Jessica Seitz, along with Nurse Erica. We're Nurses Uncorked, the podcast that takes nursing facts with nursing comedy and makes a little cocktail out of it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Nurses Uncorked. I hope everybody is doing great. It's myself, Nurse Jessica Seitz, along with Nurse Erica and um, we are back with a topic that we want to give a trigger warning about. Um, this is an episode that uh, we covered actually back um, on our sixth podcast ever, um, but it does talk about fetal death um, and um, loss of a baby during the process of labor. So if any of that is anything that might be disturbing or uncomfortable to you, this is not the podcast to listen to. So um Having that said, and getting that out of the way, um, we're going to be providing today, I'm going to get into some story details here in, in a minute, but we're going to be providing some some pretty important updates um, regarding that episode and what has transpired since. So if you're at all wondering what we're talking about, we're going to get into it in a second, but it, it does have to do with um, the loss of a baby and the decapitation of a baby back in July. Um, but before that, because we're nurses uncorked and I may need a drink to <laughs> deal with this topic this week, um, yeah. this is, this is another, uh, the last time we did it, uh, it was, it was tough talking about it. So, um, right, Erica, it was, that was, it, it was, uh, I don't think anyone had ever heard of a case like this before that yeah, one. It, it, so everyone was, was in very shock disturbing. and it was terrible. Yes. Yeah. Very, very a uh, huge shock. Um, so before we get into that, this is going to be a quick and easy drink of the week. So I never do um, beer, but my husband the other day opened this drink and he's like, you have to try it. And I was like, you know, every time he does it, I'm like, oh, whatever. But this is a beer actually, and it's called a Baja Blast. It's zero sugar and it's <laughs> By, it has Mountain Dew in it. Okay, it sounds weird, but yeah, I like love the Taco caffeine. Bell thing, right? Baja Blast, isn't right. that? So it's um, only a hundred calories, and it's got a decent well, kick, five percent alcohol, but it tastes like berry Mountain Dew heaven. So basically, it's like a diet Mountain Dew mixed in with a beer somehow. But it's it's I recommend it if you're not a beer drinker, but you want to like. I don't know, have a beer like you're at a game and it's blue. Look how cool. Can you see it? It's Erica? blue. It's like a. Oh, oh, yeah, it is. Like a, it looks like a Baja yeah. Blast, but it's beer. It reminds me. Yes. That's crazy. Yeah. Does it Bahar taste like beer? Can you taste the beer at all? Well, let me remind myself. Hold on. <laughs> it doesn't taste like a typical beer, but you can kind of tell. Okay. That it's a beer that it almost has like a because it's it's like a seltzery kind of kick mixed in with beer. That's the best way I could describe it. Like it's it's Who bubbly makes it? and well, I mean, um, this is made by Jesus, I guess by by Mountain Dew. Oh, really? It's 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 Mountain Dew. I don't okay. know. We need to get these, no these brands to start uh, sponsoring our podcast. Like we're we're given so many free ads to all yeah, the different alcohol malt, it says it's a beer it's a malt malt beverage and okay. it's by mountain dew and it's it's their hard uh zero sugar baja blast i don't know it's good so okay cheers to that um and cheers well, god cheers. it really doesn't taste like alcohol at I all this is kind of disturbing it's 9 a.m don't tell the people <laughs> don't tell them jeez <laughs> Don't give it away. She's it's on the East here. Coast. It's, she can get away with it. It's five o'clock somewhere. Bam, bam, bam. All right, <laughs> let's get into this topic. So in order to remind you guys about it, um, and like I was saying earlier, our initial podcast, the link will be in the description. If you can't find the description, it was episode six. But um, back in July, there was um, a horrific story that came out in, in the news about 
a couple that had gone into labor. Um, the mom was a gestational diabetic, um, went into labor, um, first time mom. Um, and there was a whole slew of events that kind of transpired towards the end. The, the mom, you know, got to pushing like, like people typically do. Um, the pushing phase took quite a while from what I, you know, understand a couple hours, which can be first time mom, not that un, unheard of or untypical, but, um, the, the facts of the case, this is where it kind of gets a little bit wacky. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of arguments on both sides of the coin here, but, um, evidently they were having trouble getting the baby's head to finish descending, like the last bit of, you know, getting the baby to kind mm -hmm. of, um, come out. Um, so they decided to do some types of maneuvers and whatnot to try to get the actual, did they, Eric, I'm trying to remember, did they assist the baby out with forceps or something first or a vacuum? They think they used mm. a vacuum first. I'm, I Not wanna, that I don't recall. quote me on that. They may have, but, but I, I think that I, there's I still a that lot of did. details that have not been released yet. I'll refresh my memory on that. But what happened was once the head was actually delivered, they could not get the shoulders to come out um, from underneath the mom's pubic bone. So the baby essentially got wedged in there. Um, a certain amount of time passed, okay? And for people that aren't familiar, when, when a baby's head um, is delivered, there's uh, you're basically cutting off their oxygen supply at that point. They're not breathing anymore through the mom's circulatory system. They need to get external air, but they can't do that because they're essentially being suffocated. So it's, it's a huge time crunch. So um, from whatever maneuvers they, they tried, tugged, pulled, um, tried to get this baby delivered and the doctor could not. Um, there were other things that the family, I guess, is stating went on, um, you know, whether there was other physicians called to help or not. Um, I think all these different things will come out, but essentially they could not, no matter what the physician did, she couldn't get the shoulders to deliver. Um, so the physician attempted what's called a Zalvinelli, which is a very rare maneuver where you uh, actually try to push the baby back up into the pelvis as best you can to rush back for an emergency C-section in an effort to deliver the baby abdominally. Um, so that all happened. They ran back for an emergency C-section. I believe there was a whole bunch of events in, in trying to get the baby delivered at that point because it was so wedged. Long story short, unfortunately, when the baby was removed from the abdomen during the C-section, the baby had been found to have been decapitated um, at, some, at some point, whether it was in the delivery room or whether it was in the operating room. That has not yeah. um, specifically come out yet, um, which in, in of itself is horrific, okay? That's awful. The mother obviously is, has lost a child. Um, 37 weeks, a full-term baby. And then what happens after that? Oh, it gets even worse. Really? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, and we, we should say that the hospital, which is Southern Regional Medical Center in Georgia, they deny yes. all of these allegations. And um, their stance is that uh, the baby suffered the decapitation in utero, not during delivery, yeah. which is weird. Right. But they deny all that. That makes no sense. That, yeah. That, yeah. Um, and then they have also said in the news, you know, that the physician, the doctor is not an employee of the hospital, which sounds bad, but. But that's usually normal. That's how it always not, is. Yes. And for most lay people, they don't really get that. So it sounds like she was just walking in and. <laughs> Like some yeah, and, and they're making the it sound like they fired this this doctor, and you know, was they were never really an employee there. No, that that's how it works. Doctors have privileges. The doctor had privileges right. there, and is you know contracted by an outside OBGYN company. But that's very common. Correct. So I, I guess once the mother got to recovery and um, whatnot, um, the the mom wanted to see the baby. The family wanted to see the baby, um, which is not untypical at all, but that's Be highly Because encouraged. they told them um, the baby died, but not about the decapitation. Correct. Correct. 
Right. So they, yes, that part, they were aware that the baby, unfortunately, had passed. But uh, majority, most mothers, especially when it's a full-term baby, they they want to see their baby to mourn the loss of their baby. Now, for whatever reason, they did not tell them about the decapitation. So they told them they could only see the baby through a window. So they they were not given that opportunity to hold their newborn um, that had passed, unfortunately. Um, So in an effort, I guess, to not disclose to the family for whatever reason about the decapitation, they propped the baby and wrapped it and swaddled it and propped, so hard to say, the infant's head on the on the torso, on the body, um, in an effort to make it appear that it was still um, intact. Yeah. And unfortunately, it was not until many days later um, that it was uh, divulged by, uh, I think, the funeral director. Mm-hmm. Um, the funeral the, home at, called them four days later because... They had wanted an autopsy. They asked for an autopsy, the parents, and the hospital said there was no need, and they pushed them to cremate, which is a little suspicious, right? Uh, Right. And then um, four days later, the funeral Of any delivery, delivery, this one would qualify for an autopsy. Sure. You have an unusual death, a a decapitation, which they knew about. Yeah. Um, So... But whatever, for whatever reason, they said that they shouldn't. Um, but I think the family wanted that. They didn't want a cremation. They wanted, you know, a burial. And um, I, I think they were calling to kind of give them a warning about maybe the appearance mm-hmm. of the baby. And that was and the first time. And they mentioned the decapitation. And yeah. That's how they Can found out. Can you imagine from- finding out? Forward, like you're already no. grieving, but then, oh my God, I can't even. Hmm. My initial thought would be like, well, that's a mistake. Do they have my kid confused with, I mean, that, that would be yeah. my, my initial thought. But then I bet they started putting the pieces together. Like, well, wait, they yeah. didn't let me yeah. hold my baby. Like, and then like, where do you go from there? Like, I, I yeah. wouldn't even know what to do. Who do you call? What do you, uh, well, they they did get an attorney, and and there was thank, thank uh, shortly, yeah, shortly thereafter, they announced um, a civil lawsuit, uh, and it is against the hospital, Southern Regional Medical Center. It is against the uh, OBGYN group, which is Premier Women's OBGYN, uh, and it is against the medical personnel. And the doctor specifically. Uh, so there have been Dr. Some St. Updates. Julian, I believe. I can't yeah, believe that I just think. came to my head. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. That was good. We'll, we'll verify that. But yeah, just all of a sudden was like, bing. Okay, carry on. And, the, and so their allegation is that the uh, doctor applied excessive traction to the baby's head, causing it to detach and that the nurses didn't speak up or advocate. So that's kind of where it was left last year in July when this happened and uh, the attorney and the parents gave a press conference. And so we haven't really had much of an update since then until now. So earlier this week, the medical examiner finally released the manner of death and it is listed as homicide. They determined it is Which a homicide. Is, and so I think that from, that's a pretty hard thing to put, right? On I mean, you have to be certain. Yeah. Like you have to be pretty yeah. certain that that's what happened. Um yeah. to be able to put that down. So that was a big deal. Yeah, a really big deal. Uh and the cause mm-hmm. of death is listed as this is this is a mouthful. Fracture dislocation with complete transection to the upper cervical spine and spinal cord. Okay. But now Mm -hmm. we have the um, manner of death as homicide. And so from here, the medical examiner passes that information on to the district district attorney. It will be up to the district attorney whether or not they want to pursue criminal charges. I think they will, but that has not been announced or confirmed yet. Uh, So what we currently have is 
a civil lawsuit, and there's actually two civil lawsuits, another um, update, which we'll get to later. Uh, and so they are, they are naming, I guess, five or six nurses, I believe, that were involved in the care in this civil lawsuit, um, accusing them of gross negligence, that they owed a duty to the mother and baby, and that they failed to advocate. And it goes on to say that there was no documentation that was taken um, about the distress. And and I need you to weigh in on this because for those that don't know, Jessica mm -hmm. is an L&D nurse for like a bazillion years. So this is her area of expertise. So this is what it says. No documentation or no documented action was taken about the distress noted on the fetal monitor. The strips show repeated and consistent category three strips uh, at 9.26 p.m. with persistent late D cells until 10.36 p.m. No documentation of any resuscitative measures taken whatsoever. So does that seem That's appropriate or shocking to you? Um, either this is, there's two things that go in my head, either a, whoever the lead nurse was on this is a horrible documenter. Like, um, and that's why, and there are some, we always say, are. and Eric always says, document, yeah. document, document, because if it's mm -hmm. not there, you didn't do it. It doesn't matter if you did it. I mean, yep. as an L and D nurse, you are trained, especially if you see late D cells, because late D cells, essentially what that means. I mean, that's a category three tracing, which means that they the baby is not getting oxygen adequately the way that it should be getting. Okay. So you have a contraction and then at some point from the peak of the contraction to after you can see the baby's heart rate dip down before it comes, it comes back up. And so that's meaning it's, it's undergoing stress. It's not getting proper uh, oxygenation and it's having a hard time recovering and getting its heart rate back up. So when we start to see those as, as nurses, you do have to do interventions. I mean, a multitude of things you, the doctor needs to be made aware. You better get that doctor in there, review the tracing. You better try to do anything you can to resolve it. Position changes, fluid boluses, um, maybe cutting down Pitocin. If there's Pitocin on turning it off, um, there's all sorts of things that, that you can try to do to see if you can um, eliminate this. But all of that needs to be charted and needs to be, uh, and, you know, as a nurse, if you are telling a doctor and they're not doing anything about it, that's a whole nother story. Chain of command, utilizing your chain of command. The doctor uh, can't come to the bedside to review. Um, notified charge nurse, notified... If it's not there, though, like we're saying, they they didn't do it. So the fact that they are saying that they are as obvious late decelerations since nine twenty six, and I think the baby delivered at almost midnight. It was after that's midnight, long, right after midnight. That's a long time to go um, being compromised. That combined with uh, a, a stressful attempt at oh my gosh, so. Um, so it's bad. Yeah, that's the best way I can <laughs> weigh in. I was going to say either a, opinion, it's bad. Well, oh, the whole thing is bad. <laughs> either they physically didn't do it, which to me is the worst. I mean, if you're right. uh, just uh, didn't notify the doctor, I mean that yeah. that's horrible. Okay, but or B, they did it, but they were, and, and I can't imagine, especially after having this kind of outcome, that you would yeah. not go back. And isn't put that crazy? Everything like even if you're a terrible yeah. documenter, wouldn't you when it's when it's an extreme case like this, make sure you stay late, do whatever you have to do to really document everything in great detail. But apparently, allegedly, they did not do that, crazy. which is crazy. Uh, yeah. I don't, so I don't understand so the, that. But the civil lawsuit is saying that the nurses had a duty to advocate for a C-section. And and they should have done it much sooner if they did at all. Um, and like you said, chain of command. So even if you have a doctor, and you know, we don't know. We don't know. We weren't there. We don't know what these nurses did or didn't do. We don't know what the doctor did or didn't do. I'm sure that's all going to come out eventually. But even if you have a terrible doctor, not saying that this one was, but even if you did, um, the nurse holds a lot of power 
and a lot of influence, right? And if you have a doctor that you feel is putting a patient at risk, you can absolutely go above that doctor. You go to your charge nurse, you get your um, administrator in there, you call attending physicians, you go to the medical director, like you, it sucks, it's not easy, it's stressful, but you can absolutely do that. I've done it several times. And so they're saying that they didn't now, do any of that. You know, without looking at the tracing myself, you know, a lot of times um, physicians and nurses will have um, a difference of opinion on what a late D cell is. You know, like okay. the nurse will say that looks like a late to me and the physician will be like, actually, I think it looks like an early and an early uh, D cell basically means it's normal head compression as they come down the birth canal. Those kind of mirror the contraction, like they dip and, but they're a complete mirror of it. So if one person is seeing it differently than the other person, but again, all of that should have been documented. And if you are certain as the nurse that the physician is interpreting it wrong, absolutely you need to be doing something about it. I mean, you, you have to, you have to go up the chain of command. Now, at the point of the kid's head being stuck, there's nothing you can do, but try at that point, but try to assist and you got to get the kid out. Like, so that's a whole nother thing. Like who did they call out for? How much help did they get into the room? Did they call the right amount of people to come in and help? Was the charge nurse there? Was another doctor called to the room? Like, these are all things that are going to um, come out, you know, as well. But, um, sadly it, it doesn't, it sounds like this is not looking good for the nurses or the, the doctor. I yeah. don't know how they're going to get very, out of this one. In the very least they're facing a civil lawsuit, right? Which, which can come with, yeah. um, considerable financial, um, impact if they if they lose in a civil lawsuit, but now they could potentially be facing criminal charges, something along the lines of uh, negligent homicide or manslaughter. I would imagine. Um, mm -hmm. we we don't know yet. Again, the DA has not said that they're going to, and I and I sincerely hope that they do not press criminal charges because you know how I feel about that. Criminal prosecution of nurses is a very dangerous slip, slippery slope and should not happen. But I think that it probably will. Yeah, so. which is, it's, it's scary. I mean, there definitely was some type of medical malpractice, but you know, it's, it's back to that fine line. Did anybody intend to decapitate a baby and have a baby lose its life on purpose. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, of course not. Like, I there, can't imagine. There can't be can't. any intention. <laughs> right. Or, or, or would right. anyone even think that that would be an outcome? Because it, who's ever heard of this before? You know? It's just, this is such, this is such, this is why I mentioned you, you know, we, me and Erica talked about doing a podcast on this as a follow-up, but this is such an interesting case that I feel like as more and more details come out about this it's it's going to be really really interesting to hear what the specifics were or how you know people interpret the tracing how people interpret what went on and what happened um, or what didn't happen but the crazy part is you know uh, me as an L&D nurse for 21 years straight bedside L&D I have never seen that happened on a full-term infant and I have never been a witness to a Zalvinelli maneuver. And this is that I was at really? the second busiest hospital in Florida. So wow. it's not like I was at a podunk that we didn't see deliveries. Right. I mean, it's these, those are rare occurrences. Um, I think on the last podcast I mentioned a lot of times with really early preemies um, that have, especially if they've, they've passed away in utero, I have seen that happen because they, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of specifics. They don't have the, the tone. They don't have uh, any muscle. They're, they're very thin and pliable. Um, I have unfortunately seen that a couple times with a very, very, very early um, fetal demise, but never under these circumstances uh, have I ever. So that's why, I mean, at least in, in my opinion, it's a very um, horrible, but uh, a case that I am curious to see what what exactly went on. Me too. 
And so the medical yeah. examiner also listed, along with the uh, manner of death and cause of death, listed contributing factors. Um, so he listed the role of gestational diabetes, uh, premature rupture of membranes, uh, the, sh the shoulder dystocia, uh, labor arrest, and fetal entrapment in the birth canal as contributing mm -hmm. factors. And so I'm, I'm sure you can speak to this. Why would gestational diabetes potentially be um, a factor? Because they can be large for gestational age, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, essentially, it, the baby can be on the bigger side. Um, you know, so a lot of times with gestational diabetics, towards the end, they'll try to get an estimated fetal weight. I don't know if that happened in this case or not. Um, those can be a little bit off, um, plus or minus a, a pound. Um, do you know, Erica, what the baby weighed? Did, is that no, it has we, not been released said? that I know of. I would be curious to know because, I mean, of course, the bigger the baby, right, theoretically, the harder it, it would be or the more chance that it would get and stuck, I, believe, I imagine. I believe the mom is not a tall woman. So that's another no, thing. She's, that, she's tiny you know, is, and only 20 yeah. years old, first baby. So it, it's a combination of, you know, diabetes, the baby might be on the big side. Um, but even if it was, you know, maybe eight pounds, that could be huge for her, you know, like it. So there's a lot of different things to to take into account as far as, you know, the gestational diabetes. But that's not to say any diabetic mom, first time mom can't have a delivery. It's just you have to right. weigh all the factors, you know, in order to make a, a decision as to whether um, a mom would need to be C-section. But it, yes, that could be a contributing factor for sure. Yeah. And so I was really shocked um, to find a, a couple of uh, things that the mom and the and their attorney has said recently publicly in um, an interview so um, the mom said, I'm going to read her quote. She's talking to the nurses. Just come forward, please. The nurses that were in the room, please just come forward, please. I just want justice for my baby. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, she's speaking now, she to the nurses, come, not come to forward. the doctor. But is she saying come forward maybe, and I'm trying to think of this both ways, and state what this doctor did and speak up now as to what you witnessed? Or is she saying you were just as much a contributing factor in this state what you did or didn't do? Yeah, and, it could and be either. get that off your chest. Yeah, like that's, it's I hard to say. I tend to think it would be the first one, but... Who who knows? Who knows? I just found it uh, very interesting. I was very surprised that she was speaking directly to the nurses. I mean, and, and I don't want to throw anyone under the bus. Again, we weren't there. But wouldn't you assume right. that your anger would be more um, directed at the physician in this case rather than the nurses? You know, but that's I'm not thinking, what she said. Do you remember... After this happened, she did not want to see that physician. And from what I oh, understand, right. I what forgot I've about read, that. Yeah, you're right. She didn't want this doctor to come into her room, like because yeah. a, I mean, she was traumatized. It, it's a mm -hmm. traumatic event. She's associating this physician with a traumatic event. Um, right. So I, who knows? Maybe she is still so traumatized. She's even uncomfortable addressing that physician even you know what six months later um yeah it, that's another thing it's really that's a hard thing to say like um or is it that she feels like the nurses are really at fault and you know that that law that all the fingers are being pointed mainly at only the physician but that the nurses are i don't know um you know it's like so many ways to think about it yeah. But before we get into the rest of this, what are we going to do, Erica? The um, we're we're going to do a problem of the week. Problem of the week. Erica's okay. got a problem. Well, not her. I... <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this this one Somebody a has nurse a problem. 
Someone has a problem. A nurse um, messaged yeah. me and said that um, they have been away from bedside nursing for some years. I think they've been doing clinic nursing, so outpatient, not acute care. Um, but they do have a background in acute care nursing in the past. And so recently they decided to go back to bedside and they um, have been applying left and right and they're not getting any anywhere. They're not getting interviews or anything despite all of their experience. And they asked me why, like they're desperate for nurses. Why wouldn't they be reaching out to me? I know why. It's the same problem we run into when a new grad never does bedside and goes directly into something like home health or, you know, outpatient, and they never get that critical acute care experience. Um, it's because we as managers don't know what to do with them for orientation. They don't fit in a box, you know, and so usually you're allocated a certain number of new grad positions per year, per quarter, whatever they get approved for. And those are given the extended orientation times. And then you have experienced nurse positions, and those may only get a week or two, right? Well, this nurse obviously is going to not need a full new grad orientation, but they're certainly going to need more mm -hmm. than a week, you know, to get back in the swing of things. Lots right. of things have changed, equipment, everything. Um, so yeah. they don't fit in a box. And how do you budgetary wise, you know, uh, kind of fight for how much they should get? They just don't fit in a nice little box. And I'm sure that's why they're not getting a callback. It can be really, really challenging. Um, I would say try to call the manager, maybe, if you can reach them on the phone or send an email and say, and just address it and say, you know, I know you might be concerned as it's been X amount of years since I've been at the bedside. I just want to reassure mm -hmm. you um, that I have stayed on top of my skills yeah. or whatever, you know, like I have, I have 10 years prior. Um, I, I'm ready to hit the ground running, whatever you need to do to kind of, you know, set, set their fears aside. But yeah, that can be very, very challenging. And that's why I always tell new grads, no matter how much you don't want to do bedside, even if you didn't go into nursing to do bedside, for the love right. of God, go get it and do a minimum of one year, preferably two. But you've got to get it because it's not like you can't get hired anywhere else as a nurse, but it is going to be a stumbling block, a roadblock again and again and again throughout your career. You will get passed up. They will have doubts about you. You've got to get that minimum, all important one year at the bedside. You know what I'm thinking? I know that this is a very specific um, thing because, you know, they've been away from bedside, but I'm hearing this more and more like people are applying, though, for nursing positions and they know that they're there, but they can't find a job. Like, it leads me to believe that these hospitals are acting or, or you know, saying to the staff that they need more staff yep. and they, they're looking but are they really looking? No, they're not. Or, I've run into this yeah. myself and I've talked about this. Yeah. That's what they I absolutely will put out ads, you know, and say that they're hiring um, and list these open positions. And we all have known those nurses that have applied for those positions that we've worked with that have all of the qualifications and are great nurses and they don't even get a call back. They right. are told. That's what I'm saying. They're told sometimes, not always, not everywhere, but they are absolutely given directives from administration to not fill those open positions. I've seen that firsthand. I have gone to HR. I had someone that was, you know, I could kind of talk to and trust in HR and they would confide in me like, yeah, we have six open positions. We're told to fill one. And then they turn around and tell yep. the staff. Well, you know, we're doing everything we can. We've listed the positions. We've got the positions approved, but no one's applying. Yes, they are. They're applying. Right. It's terrible. It's just they're they're trying to keep their budget and their bonus yep. adequate for um so that could be the real problem there to this nurse that wrote you. Maybe they're just be. uh not hiring anybody and they're just pretending like they are. Who who knows? I guess We'll never know, but yeah, 
Uh, yeah. It sucks. I don't know. Nursing yeah. sucks right now. That's all I yeah, got to say. <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, there's that so... problem of the week. We have no answer for you, sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for sending in your submission. Um, we have concluded that that sucks. I, I don't that know. Sucks. Maybe apply we concur. somewhere different. A bunch, a bunch of other places or... Um, yeah. Follow the manager at her car. No, I'm just kidding. Don't, don't, don't do that. Don't, <laughs> don't, don't stalk the nurse manager. Um, yeah. Good luck. Hopefully, hopefully yeah. something will come up. Hopefully you'll find a place that will hire you. Yeah. All right. Back to uh, yes. our, our story here. So what, the, what's going to happen next? What is, what's going on now? Like what, where, where are they going from here? Well, the attorney said something very ominous recently this is the civil oh boy um suit attorney he said we're going to depose everyone who was in the room the nurses the scrub techs everyone once we put them under oath we'll know so again specifically mentioning the nurses like going out of their way repeatedly mm. to say not just everyone in the room but the nurses again the mom is pleading for the nurses the attorney is saying in my in my perception we're going after the nurses so it's concerning it's really concerning you know the whole thing is when did this decapitation occur you know yeah. um for them to say that it happened in utero okay um mm -hmm. well that's uh, that can be in my I'm interpreting that as that it could have occurred during the C-section okay because to me that's okay. still in in utero okay okay but I think what everybody is thinking is that because the maneuvers were so uh with so much force and so much mm -hmm. traction and so much pulling that it happened during the shoulder dystocia and not inside of the mom. I'm trying to be very specific here. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, that's where, okay, you, obviously, if you put that much force and that much traction to pull the baby's head off, you've done something wrong, okay? You should have stopped. Like, at, at some point, yeah. you should have maybe done the yeah. Salvinelli sooner or whatever the case may be. So I, I think, in listening to this, my instinct is that they are wanting these nurses to come forward and say that, in my opinion, yes, it seems like that happened during the shoulder dystocia, not while the baby was inside or during the actual trying to remove it during the C-section, because it makes a big difference. It makes a huge yeah. difference of um, what kind of fault. Is this a criminal fault? Is this uh, gross malpractice like it mm -hmm. i could be wrong but for some reason that's what my instinct is telling me is that they want the truth out about when did this decapitation happen um, yeah what do you think erica like or, i, I think we're gonna think know a lot they're more naming the nurses i think we're gonna know a lot more when they do depose them just like the attorney said um because right now we have not heard anything from anyone that was in the room other than the mom you know, um, and as soon as we hear from anyone that wasn't any of the medical professionals, I think that that's going to give us maybe a whole different view on this. Who knows? But I, have you been I in don't... a deposition, Erica. No, have you ever been in I, one? I have not. I have. And they're they're scary. You have. I have one time. I have one time, and what I can tell you is, um, and this when we were talking to, um. I want to call her Nurse Nicole. <laughs> not Michelle. We, I'm, I'm joking. It's not Nurse Nicole. We were talking to um, Michelle. Michelle Hewins. Last, yeah, last week. She was giving some of what, you know, they prep you for. And I can, I can attest to that. So before you sit down for the deposition, the attorney, now what, the attorney representing you will coach you into, um, not to lie, but how to answer things in a way. Um, mm -hmm. They will tell you if you do not 100% remember, like with every detail, you say, I do not recall. I mm -hmm. cannot remember specifically. Um, if they ask you your opinion, do you think 
this is the way that it happened. They will, you know, especially if like the attorney that's there for the hospital is representing, you know, the nurses and the physician, um, they will encourage you. It's not my, I'm not a physician. It's not in my scope of practice to make that opinion. Mm -hmm. So you are like, it's terrifying. It literally is, is terrifying because you're scared that yeah. you're going to say the wrong thing and either. And they, they twist it and use it against somebody you. That shouldn't. Yeah. Or twist your words or, or make you look like you were negligent when you, when you weren't, it's like, you have to be so careful, you know? And that's one thing that's like, it's going to be rough on these nurses. Yeah. It's going to be a really, really hard. Then I'm sure they are not going to uh, lay lightly. Now, when no. the other, um, the case that, that I was involved in, um, which is kind of crazy. It was also shoulder dystocia. These are the oh, ones really? that usually, yeah, that are um, a lawsuit. You know, uh, this the the one I was involved in. The baby made it, but it ended up with nerve damage to the arm. Mm. You know, um, mm -hmm. that it it will have that for the rest for the rest of its life. So they were suing mm -hmm. the physician for you know um, medical malpractice in that he should not have done the delivery vaginally, which is usually the case and what happens. I'm, you know, nine times out of 10, if an OBGYN is sued, it usually has to do with the shoulder dystocia. Mm. Um, there's other things, but that's one of the most common ones. And, you know, this, the, I remember the case and like, in my mind, you know, I, I remember that I didn't re recognize the physician had done anything wrong. And in all honesty, the shoulder dystocia didn't last long and all of that, you know, but um, I still, it had been like, four years and there were parts mm. of it that I couldn't remember sure. specifically. So you're like almost scared too to really give your opinion because it, are Did you they let you review exactly? your documentation prior? Yeah, they did. And it, and it okay. jarred some, some things, you know, and it, mm -hmm. but you know, there, there were other parts, you know, like I, I don't remember if I had the, the opposing attorney I remember didn't have a great case. So I wasn't drilled by him that badly. He also okay. wasn't in the room. He was on camera deposing me. Oh. Um, so I feel like he kind of laid off on me just because I was like, if I charted it, then that's what happened. And I actually had done pretty good charting. I had charted from what I remember, I think there was a cord once around the neck. I had charted shoulder dystocia. I wrote down how long it lasted. I think I wrote the maneuvers. Um, so I'm like, if that's what I wrote, then that's what I did. You know, yeah. like I can't recall the specifics, but I can recall, I know my charting. And if I wrote it, then that's the way it occurred. That's a good answer. You know? um, yeah. yeah. But you, you gotta, you gotta be careful. You have to be careful. That's why it goes back to charting. Always. Chart what you did. Always. Chart what you yeah. did. I've Nurses, had to testify please. in court a couple of times, um, like in Munchausen syndrome um, by proxy cases, but I've mm. never been personally deposed. But yeah, that sounds very intimidating. But um, there is another twist to this story that I also just learned about. Um, there is a second civil lawsuit against the pathologist who did the autopsy. Now, now this is crazy. These poor parents. Oh, I hadn't heard this part. Yeah. These poor parents have already been through so much. Guess what happens next? The pathologist oh, what? What? posted the autopsy pictures and video on <gasps> his Instagram. Right. That's right. I remember that. I forgot about that. What? What, what was is this? Is a train wreck. It is. My God. So, so his defense is that he didn't identify the baby. That there was no, you know, HIPAA breached. Essentially. Um, I mean, and it's not the first time he has apparently done this with other cases, posting pictures or videos for educational purposes. So. Um, they, no, they are suing without... for like emotional distress and for violating their privacy by posting these publicly. 
um, the attorney had a lot to say about this, said that the uh, video showed graphic and grisly details of the postmortem exam of the de decapitated severed head, and that this is one of oh the most God. egregious and outrageous cases of clout chasing that we have ever encountered. I remember I went and looked him up. I don't remember his name, but I looked him up on Instagram after this all happened. And yeah, he's um, a little bit like a cocky um, mm -hmm. physician, like, you know, like uh, he's amazing kind of thing. Because um, mm -hmm. some of his other past stuff was still was still on there. The other one had been taken down, obviously. He um, took one down, but, but then left others up from what I read. I haven't checked. I couldn't, when I looked, I couldn't find it. Now, I, who knows how long he left the other stuff up for or, or didn't, but, um, what a ding dong for lack of a better yeah. word. I mean, and on dude, such a high profile dude. case and such a unique case, because yeah. you know, if you come across that, you're going to immediately know who that is because how many other baby decapitations right. have you heard of? You know, you're going to immediately exactly. know. Exactly. So those poor parents after, you know, losing their baby finding out from the funeral home four days later what happened, dealing with the lawsuit <sighs> and the loss, and then they have to find out that the pathologist is posting it all over social media? Like, what? Oh, God. This family, they can't get their baby back, and that's the worst part of it, but they deserve every dollar that is, that is possible to come to them, in my opinion. Because, yeah. and that's not going to bring their baby back. And that's not going to make the, this trauma, uh, in their mind go away. But they, do, I, I, in my opinion, if I was on the jury, if they, you know, if it ends up going to trial, I would mm -hmm. award them every, every red penny possible because this is a, a, a awful slew of a mess. I mean, mm -hmm. They better settle out. I'm telling you, they better, if they should hope and pray, they better be making some good offers because uh, I don't, I don't yeah. even know. We all have to keep, keep up to date with that. We're definitely going to keep there more? monitoring. Tell me that's it. No, that's it. That's it. Knock on wood. Woo! Yeah. So we'll, we'll, the next time that stuff comes out, we'll do another podcast on it yeah. because, uh, maybe after wait, the depositions we'll, when we follow. have more information. Do we have an enema to give out this week? Do you have one, we, Erica? Did we, we do an have award? an enema award. Um, this week, the enema award is going to TikTok. Because what the hell, TikTok? Woo! What the hell? Um, so they they their contract with, what is it, UCG, whatever company for their music rights has ended. And they didn't come to any kind of a compromise or whatever and so they have removed the music on like everybody's videos and my first two years of videos they all had background music and they're not notifying anyone so you don't know that the sound has been removed um until you go in and it, mm -hmm. it, it's a it's a hot mess I'm so bitter. i'm bitter are you i'm bitter when I'm you bitter. and i talked about this erica the when we talked about this before i said that I wasn't sure because like you were saying, they don't notify you. Um, I started scrolling after I talked to you, mm -hmm. two of my top three videos that have four to 5 million views, two out of the three are muted. Yeah. And you can't, they're like, Oh, just replace the sound. It's, <laughs> it's not the same in any right. way, shape or form. Like it doesn't even make sense. So I'm, I'm angry. I'm I, angry. I'm angry. And not only that, but they also took away all of the hashtag total counts. So they, they zeroed them. For, for what reason? I cannot for the life of me figure out why they did this. But, um, for example, hashtag the nurse Erica, was that like 22 or 23 million? And I know this isn't a big deal, but, you know, that's like over four years worth she, of no, she's getting it out there. nothing. Hashtag nothing. Now it's back Hashtag. to like 330 or something. Like what? <laughs> what? For what possible reason do we need to restart the hashtag count? I mean, you know, can you think of any reason? Numbers? 
numbers do go to infinity, TikTok. In case you, in case you didn't know, you're not going to run it out of numbers. Stop. Yeah, yeah. I, you could have just left it to keep going. Um, yeah. I and I, I had um, I ha- hashtag the hashtag red and black ribbons. You know the red and black ribbon campaign. That one was up to a few million. I, I want to say like maybe ten million or something. And now it's down to like here's a hundred or the something. The only thing I can think of is are they trying? Did they? I wonder if they reset it to show people what is trending now instead of what was trending. Like I don't know. I. I Either that or they just want to fuck with us. I I mean, it's just like another way to screw the creators, which this platform does all the time and always has. You know, it's just never get comfortable on TikTok because if you wait a week, some kind of shit will hit the fan and they will do something to mess with you. It's so frustrating. You know what I was just thinking, Erica, is that with these enema every week that we give away, we need an enema sponsor. Fleets? <laughs> um, any? We do fleets? I'm just fleets? saying. It could fleets? be the fleets nurse enema of the week. Um, you know, we are, we are open, people. That, uh, is, that spot is a great is there. idea. <laughs> are yeah, there, what other brands? Saying, I can't think of other brands. Can you? I don't know, but I'm writing this down. I'm going to look them all up. Fleets. We, that's we... all I can think of off. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. we're going to call it the Fleets Enema Award of the Week. That would that would be great. Or whoever you are, company out there, wh- yeah, whatever whatever enema you are, we you're, you that could be you. Yeah, you could be giving TikTok an enema right now, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll wait and see who reaches. We need to do who that. reaches out to us. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, that wraps up this week's Nurses Uncorked. Please be sure to follow us on your pod streaming app of choice. Make sure you download the episode. We would love it if you'd give us a five-star rating um, and a review. It really helps boost the podcast. And follow us at Nurses Uncorked on all social medias. Till next time. (laughs) 